Hey, it's Kathy. I have something so fun to tell you about. You may know that the doors are open to my new program, The Abundance Method, but if you enroll by May 15th at 11.59 p.m. Pacific, you're going to get my signature business program also made to do this. That's a $3,000 program that you are going to get for free, included if you sign up by May 15th, just before midnight Pacific time. Made to do this is a phenomenal program that has helped thousands of souls to start businesses, to be able to make a living doing something that they love. This is an incredible deal. You don't want to miss it. Go ahead and sign up at kathyheller.com slash join. Most people don't let themselves have what they have because they're afraid of losing it. So they live in perpetual scarcity. One of the practices that I teach and that I use every day is letting myself have what I already have. I believe that the opposite of depression, it's not happiness, it's purpose. I believe that every single person has something unique to contribute to the world. And that's why I wanted to create a show called Don't Keep Your Day Job. Don't Keep Your Day Job is about figuring out what it is that you were here to do in this world that only you can do to make the world more whole, more beautiful, and to stop selling yourself short, and to stop sitting it out, and to figure out how to take this thing you love, whether it's art or music or screenwriting or dance or baking, and how do you weave this thing that you love into a life that you get to contribute, that you get to do what you love full time, because it's not just about business, it's about contribution, it's about meaning. That is what we seek, that is what we truly want, and you absolutely are here to serve the world, and I want to help you figure out just how much value you have inside of you. And every single week, we're going to be talking to people who have something to add to help you get out of your own way, to help you be more successful, to help you be the truest expression of you. My name is Kathy Heller. I'm so glad that you're here. Let's dive in. Thank you to the fun and challenging June's Journey game. Who doesn't love a good mystery? In the hidden object murder mystery game, June's Journey, you'll awaken your inner sleuth and step right into a thrilling adventure set in the heart of the roaring 20s. Download June's Journey free today on the Apple App Store or Google Play. Also, thanks to 1-800-Flowers. 36 Sorbet Roses for $36 is an amazing offer, but... Prices will be going up soon, so hurry and order. To order 36 Sorbet Roses for $36, go to 1-800-Flowers.com, click the radio icon, and enter code DREAMJOB. Hurry, offer expires Friday. Also, thanks to Indeed. Indeed is the job site that makes hiring as easy as one, two, three. Post, screen, and interview all on Indeed. If you're hiring, you need Indeed. Get started right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com slash dreamjob. Offer valid through June 30th. Terms and conditions apply. And thanks to Athletic Greens. Athletic Greens is an all-in-one health drink with 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food source ingredients to help support your body's nutritional needs. Get a free year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with a subscription by going to athleticgreens.com slash dreamjob. Hey, it's Kathy Heller. Welcome back to another episode of Don't Keep Your Day Job. So today's episode is pretty epic for me. I know I always say this, but you guys, you have to believe me when I tell you that Janine Roth is here today. And I recently read her book, Women, Food, and God, and I have not stopped talking about this book. And so I turned to my producer, Emma, and I was like, Emma, can we have Janine Roth on the show? And she's like, yeah, let me reach out. And then she said, yes. And I'm so happy that she's here today. She has made such a significant impact on my life. And I'm just so excited for you to hear this conversation. So her name is Janine Roth. She's a New York Times bestselling author of 10 books, including Why Wait, When Food is Love, 
Lost and Found, and this book that revolutionized my life, Women, Food, and God, An Unexpected Path to Almost Everything. In this book, Janine talks about how your relationship with food is an exact mirror of your feelings about love, fear, anger, transformation, and yes, even God. This is going to open your eyes to see beyond the food and the feelings and take you deeper into realms of spirit and soul to the bright center of who you really are. If there's one book that I've been recommending that people must read, it's this book. Seriously, go to the show notes. You can find the link, get a copy or go buy it on Amazon or wherever, Women, Food and God. We're also going to talk about Janine's other book, This Messy, Magnificent Life, which takes you on a journey to find your best self and to reclaim your power and joy and push past self-criticism. It's a fantastic book. So definitely check it out as well. Janine has been interviewed on the Oprah Winfrey show, 2020, the Today Show, Good Morning America. She's truly one of the most prolific writers of our time. I'm so grateful that she's here to share her experience and her knowledge. She's just so good and so sweet. Her words are literally medicine. I won't keep you waiting any longer. Without further ado, please welcome the brilliant Janine Roth. Janine, I am so incredibly grateful to be spending this time with you. Thank you so much for making the time. Mm, I am thrilled to be here. Really thrilled. It's really cool that I get to sit down with somebody who has breathed life back into me, given me wings. I've been talking about you nonstop. I've quoted, read this book, uh, Women, Food, and God. You have so many other also awesome books. Uh, But this book is responsible for changing me more than any experience, any teacher, any class. This is the book that every human being has to read. And I know that you've written so many other good books, but if you would have just indulged me, I thought that we could talk first about this book. Is that okay? Absolutely. I think we should talk about what you want to talk about. Okay. Because <laughs> the whole world is in this book. So let's begin with what led you personally to want to do this kind of work, to want to give people this kind of transformation that you've been doing in all the different books that you do? Despair that there was any way to emerge from the nightmare and the hell that I was living in, in terms of my relationship to food, weight, and my body. Also, my relationship to myself and self-hatred. So I felt trapped and I didn't feel like there was any hope. So... I started, well, I hit bottom. And when I hit very, very bottom, I started understanding that there was a glimmer somewhere. And that was about looking at what I was actually doing with food, being curious about my relationship with food instead of wanting to get rid of it and myself. Yep. And so before we go into the work itself and the the wisdom you extrapolated from your journey. What was the next step for you? What actually set you free? It was a series of steps. It wasn't one huge step, but I would say if I had to boil it down to the 
initiating step, the one that all the other steps and unfoldments followed from, it was the decision to stop depriving, punishing, and shaming myself around food, which then meant not dieting. I was 28 when I realized that I had been on either a diet or a binge every single day of my life without exception for 17 years. And that I didn't have any idea. There was no image in my mind that it was even possible to do anything but diet and binge, lose weight and gain weight, hate myself, supposedly like myself. But even when I was liking myself after I lost weight, I was scared of gaining weight. And so there wasn't any resting place. There wasn't any home inside myself. And I didn't believe there could be until I realized that life actually wasn't worth living for me if I was going to carry on like that. And so not dieting for me was, this is going to sound odd, but a step above just not even living and killing myself. You know, I didn't want to keep living like that. And because I was so desperate, I realized that, well, gee, if I'm willing to lose everything, including my life, I mean, I'm saying this, I don't mean to sound cavalier about this because it wasn't cavalier. I was so desperate and it was such a dark, dark time for me. And I felt so trapped inside myself. And so when I realized I couldn't keep living like that, then not dieting felt like, well, that's still being alive. I'm not going to be dying, but I'm willing to risk what will happen if I don't diet since I was willing to lose everything. Yeah. The reason for me that this book is for everyone, this particular book, you, she has so many, for those of you listening, she has so many incredible books that have all been so well received. Um, But Women, Food and God was the first one I read. And the reason I say that it's for anyone is because Even if you're not having a relationship with food that's challenging, you could substitute food for anything else that you might use to run from what you feel. And one of the biggest things that I took away from reading this book was an opportunity to roll out the welcome mat to what I was feeling. Mm -hmm. And the way you taught me that there's something beyond the feeling that is actually good, that there's a strength Mm -hmm. and there's a place where we meet something bigger than the pain that's holding the pain. And it's not the pain itself that hurts. It's the constant refusing to feel our feelings. Can you explain that and talk to us about that? Because I really think we all need to hear it. I think at least this was for me and many of the people that I work with now. Nobody really ever taught us 
that it was okay to feel our feelings, to, to actually just stop for a moment or five minutes or 10 minutes and notice, oh, I feel really sad right now. I feel lonely right now or empty. There's an emptiness now or grief stricken now. We didn't really learn that we could live through feeling our feelings. We didn't really learn that. We didn't have it modeled. I know, you know, my mother and I know many other parents just felt like, come on, we got to pull ourselves up here. We got to get on with this. Don't stop. It seems self-indulgent or it seems selfish or that if you did that, you'd never do anything else in your entire life. You would just be overwhelmed. You never get off the bed. So first, it's actually recognizing that something's going on that's prompting, let's just say in the relationship with food, prompting the turning to food. It's not because you're crazy or you lack willpower. It's not because you really like chocolate or you really love sweet potatoes. It's because something's going on most of the time, if you're not hungry and you're turning to food, that you haven't named, haven't made room for, haven't welcomed, and haven't sort of touched yourself with and said, sweetheart, what's happening here? What's going on? Tell me all about it. And I think to speak to ourselves like that, we just... (laughs) We haven't learned how to do it. And it's something that we just have to keep learning over and over and over and over again. It's not one and done. It's not, okay, well, I've done it once. Now I really know how to do it. No, it's a practice, basically. It's it's a practice of being kind to yourself. And it is tough to do because what's easiest to do for most of us is to hurry up you know, get on with it, enough already. Or, oh my God, I can't believe you're feeling sad about this again. When are you going to get over this? So that's the first step there. Yeah. And we live in a time where everyone's telling you to crush your goals and go do it. And I have so many people who come through this audience and say, why does that not work? What's wrong with me? And it's like, I was just listening to John Kabat-Zinn say, how often do we just put the welcome mat out to what's here? And we just had Rachel Platten, who's a songwriter on the podcast. And she said, who says that we're supposed to judge which kind of feeling is better than another? Oh, well, happiness is allowed. Sadness isn't. So until we can just be beside the river and hold witness, it's what you said earlier. The word is we shame ourselves. We don't want to accept parts of ourselves. So there's a split energy there. There's a resistance there. So can you speak to how we can understand and bring light to the shame and how we can let go of the shame? Well, the first thing is to recognize what's going on. So let's just take the issue with food for a second. And this, you're right, it it shows up in so many other ways. It's not just about food. Substitute almost 
any pattern you do over and over and over again for food. Yep. But let's say, I mean, like if you check your email 900,000 times, right. if you just feel so-called addicted to your digital devices and there's just this automatic, constant picking it up, not that anything's changed in the last 10 minutes. So with food, the first thing that happens is that I've noticed that I'm eating and I'm not hungry. I've noticed that. So that's the first thing that is going on. Now, either that can happen or what precedes that is some kind of feeling, bodily feeling, like a sinking in your chest or a knot in your stomach. You realize um, a friend just said something to you that felt awful or made you sad, or you just found out you didn't get that job, just found out that a friend of yours has COVID. It can be any number of things. And what we usually do is bypass the body. We usually run right over the feeling, the heaviness in the chest, the knot in the stomach, the tension in the back or the neck, or in fact, <gasps> this breath holding. And that's the first sign that something's going on. The body speaks to you. Most of us run right over that. We don't want to stop for that. And so we'll go to the next level, which is, okay, well, I think I'll just eat a bag of chips now. I'll just eat because that's a distraction. Food at that point is a distraction from the initial feeling. Yes, it's a distraction from the bodily feelings, but it's also a reaction to the initial hurt or sadness or grief or loneliness or emptiness or upset of some kind, disappointment, rejection, abandonment, you know, I mean, you name it. The, and so the first thing is you notice the feelings. Then if you didn't notice the feelings, you notice reaching for food. And each one of these are ways you can stop yourself. You can just say, okay, honey, I can feel the tightness in my chest. What's happening? Or, wow, suddenly I'm halfway through a bag of chips. Or I am now lost on the internet watching cute animal videos on YouTube when really what happened 20 minutes ago is that, that my friend said something that was painful to me. How did this happen? What's going on? So we sort of like thread our way back. Unfortunately, and this is where the shame comes in, we start attacking ourselves for doing what we're doing. You know, I woke up in the middle of the night last night and I haven't slept well for the last few nights. And I noticed that my mind was going off on what I hadn't done and the emails I didn't write and all the things sure. I thought I was going to do during the pandemic that I actually have not done, like paint, learn Spanish, write a book, finish a book. I mean, you, I mean, just, I can't tell you how many <laughs> things I thought I was going to do that I haven't done in this past year. And last night I was, this is aside from the emails that I didn't write and aside from the projects that are still ongoing, I started noticing, oh, I am attacking myself for 
making myself wrong for not doing those things. And then at that point I'm caught, then there's shame. So then there's shame at just being myself. Mm-hmm. And then at that point, that's another chance because shame makes you feel horrible. Talk about collapsing, being paralyzed, being two feet tall, feeling like you're really young and you need a big person who knows it all to save you. Right. And that's another thing to notice and to stop. And, you know, what I often do, but, you know, I've been through this process with myself many times and I've, I at some point will get up and start walking around and realize this is an old tape. Yeah. This conversation is so good, but before we keep going, we're just going to thank our sponsors. It's not easy to balance good nutritional habits with the rest of your life. We've got busy, stressful schedules, and sometimes we sacrifice sleep, exercise, and food that gives our bodies the nutrients it needs. Athletic Greens is here to help. Their daily all-in-one superfood powder can be incorporated into your daily routine as an easy and delicious option to get optimal nutrition in one convenient way. Just one tasty scoop of Athletic Greens contains 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food source ingredients, including a multivitamin, multimineral, probiotic, green superfoods blend, and more. It fits any lifestyle, whether you're keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free, and contains less than one gram of sugar without compromising on taste. I've been taking Athletic Greens in the morning, and it's really helped my digestion and energy level so much. Plus, it's super quick and easy. I just add the powder to some water, shake it up, and it's ready in just a few seconds. This is such a good way to invest in your energy, immunity, and gut health every day. And I love that I just don't have to worry anymore about taking other multivitamins because Athletic Greens has me covered. To get a free year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with a subscription, go to Athletic greens.com slash dream job and join health experts, athletes, and health conscious go-getters around the world who make a daily commitment to their health every day. That's athleticgreens.com slash dream job to get a free year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs today. Make this Mother's Day special by ordering mom's bouquet early from 1-800-Flowers.com. Whether she's near or far, ordering early means getting the best selection of bouquets that are guaranteed to show her she's loved. Right now at 1-800-Flowers, you can get 36 sorbet roses for $36. And these aren't your average roses. They sent me a bouquet of their beautiful roses, and I have them on my dining room table. They're such a breath of fresh air, and they really add life to the room. I definitely want to send a bouquet to my mom and to my sister because they've just been so incredible, so supportive, and it's just such a nice way to show them how much I love them. 1-800-Flowers has an impressive mix of pastel shades and pink, orange, and lavender, and all roses are picked at their peak, cared for every step of the way, and shipped fresh to ensure lasting beauty. Make sure you pick an early delivery date so that your bouquet will arrive in time to make mom's day special. Don't put this off. Order today from the official florist of Mother's Day, 1-800-Flowers.com. To order 36 sorbet roses for $36, go to 1-800-Flowers.com, click the radio icon, and enter code DREAMJOB. That's 1-800-Flowers.com, code DREAMJOB. Hurry, offer expires Friday. You say um, something, so many powerful things, something you say uh, in the beginning, close to the beginning of the book, you say, when we welcome what we most want to avoid, we evoke divinity itself. Yes. What is that? Help us understand what that means. <laughs> well, you know, if I notice that I am sad, if I notice that I'm lonely, if I notice that I'm feeling empty, I am not totally merged in the sadness or the loneliness or the emptiness. Something in me bigger than the feeling is noticing the feeling. 
And that thing, if you want to call it a thing, that presence, that awareness, we can call it awareness, is noticing that. And that is, I mean, there are many words to describe that. There's just no, and the second you put a name on it, it's not it anymore. All I know is that that which notices it isn't it, and that which notices it doesn't have a history, isn't ashamed, is like the sky that can hold thunderclouds and rainbows and dark clouds and all of that, but isn't affected or touched by any of it. Yeah. What I felt, I was reading this book and rereading it every morning and I would sit outside and like give myself a chance to sit beside myself and feel whatever was there. And I realized, oh my gosh, I would rather feel whatever it is than have an agenda to be happy, quote unquote, because boy, does it feel good just to be in integrity it feels good to be aligned with what's here. Yes, right. The truth. And I had never had an experience of realizing that there was something satisfying that almost felt good even being in pain because I was finally not running away from what I felt. Yes, right. And I I have to read something while we're here because everyone, if you don't have this book, you have to go get it. I literally got on Instagram so many times and was like, you guys have to hear this. But um, so there's literally 79 pages I could read out loud, but I just wanted to read this one part where you said, even when you become something because they were right, you really were going places. The writing is just so good. Even when you arrive at being someone because you are where you were going, Your life may not be any better if you haven't learned to be awake, alive, now. And you go on to talk about this and literally every line is so delicious. But this idea that, you know, that place you want to go, even when you get there, because you might. What then if you always want to be in the next moment and not the one that you're in? You know, I was just talking to... This group, I teach a meditation on Wednesdays. What I was saying is, let's just boil it down to the most essential, like the smallest little movements. Let's just say it's I'm getting up in the morning and I'm making coffee or tea. And I can't wait to make the coffee because I love coffee and I love the process and I love this and I love that and I love the taste of it. And so I'm walking from one room to where the kitchen is, the coffee. And I'm thinking about making the coffee while I'm walking. So while I'm walking from room to room, I am missing the way the sun falls in the room. I'm missing the way my feet feel on the floor. I'm missing my dog's tail wagging. I'm missing the arrangement of flowers on the kitchen table. I'm missing the way the water, thank God, water comes out of the faucet. I mean, we still have water. Isn't that amazing? I'm missing everything until I get the coffee because I'm waiting and I'm waiting and I'm waiting. I can't wait to have the coffee. Then I finally, 
have the cup of coffee. And the second I get the coffee, I'm thinking about the emails I haven't written or what I'm going to do after I finish the coffee. And gee, maybe I should drink the coffee sitting down over here. No, maybe I should drink it while I'm reading this email. No, I think I'll go out to my writing studio. Okay, I'll go out to my writing studio. So I'm holding the cup of coffee and I'm walking to my writing studio. And the whole time I'm walking, I'm noticing nothing. I'm just thinking about the email that I need to write. So then I sit down at my computer. The coffee's gone. I haven't really tasted the coffee. So, so far, I haven't walked, really walked, been present for the walk, been present for the coffee, except for maybe a second. Now I'm sitting at the email and I just open the emails and there are 35 emails. Oh, my God. God, look at all these emails. So then I write the email, but I, but I really feel like I need to be done with this email because I have to get to the other emails. So where have I been for the last half Nowhere. An hour? Nowhere. I have been in every single thing I've done. My agenda has been to do it and get it done with. I mean, in an, a sort of unconscious way. I mean, I wouldn't say to you when I wake up in the morning, oh, I can't wait to make the coffee so I can get done with making the coffee. I mean, obviously, I'm not going to say that. Um, but if I'm not noticing the things I'm doing while I'm doing it, then the end of the day comes. I've always been steps ahead of myself. I've never been where I am. And then I feel like, what happened to this day? I missed the day. That is how people spend most of their lives, waiting for their lives to begin. And I, I think I wrote about that in Women, Food, and God. We think our lives are going to begin when we lose weight. And then we lose weight and we get scared of gaining weight. And that and or losing weight isn't what we thought it was going to be. We thought it was going to make it better, it being everything. And it didn't make it better. So then a lot of people just gain weight back so they can have losing weight to look forward to so they can think that it's going to make it better. But that's what happens when people win the lottery. They win the lottery. They think their lives are going to be better. And then they go back to exactly where they were in terms of, you know, their happiness set point. That's what people call it mm -hmm. before they won the lottery. Yeah. So. The bottom line is, and this is so hard to get. I mean, this like flailing and thrashing and I don't want to get this is that it's not out there. That it isn't in the shape of your body, the job promotion. It's not in a relationship because if you can't give yourself what your partner might be giving you, if you're fortunate to have a partner like that, then you still have to go to sleep alone and wake up alone. You're still inside your own minds. And so this is really an inside job. And how does it begin? By opening up your eyes, getting out of bed and noticing that you're walking. Yeah. And you talk about it in the book and you quoted the singer Pearl Bailey and she said, people see God every day. They just don't recognize him. And you said, what if every day was a chance to see a new version of God? Because it's about the details. You say, come back, break the trance, pay attention to your breath, your arms, your legs, listen to the sounds, the scrape of a chair, the whir of the coffee, the copy machine, notice the colors, the royal blue of a coworker's dress. 
What if what we needed was right in front of us and we just were not recognizing it? Yes. Right. We keep looking in the wrong places because we were taught that it's out there. And of course, that's the whole way the consumer culture keeps going on and on and on the endless consumption, endless acquisition. We keep storing and storing, you know, for the hunger to come is what I call it. And another thing that you mentioned in the book is how often we use fear as a method to try to get the results from ourselves rather than love. And it strikes me in the, in so much of the way that you write that people think that love is something they have to earn and that when they get there, that's what the there is about. Then they're worthy to be kind to themselves, to love themselves. But then again, they never get there because they still didn't do enough. And I think the way you talk about God in this book is not a way we all learned about God or divinity or love, which is love is not earned. If it's earned, it's not love. Yes. It's grace. It's given. It's right there. So can you talk about that? And you've worked with thousands and thousands and thousands of people and seen them heal. What have you seen in regards to that learning that love is unconditional? What I've seen is that it starts with us first. It starts with me. It starts with you. So recently, one of our retreat students was diagnosed with cancer. Mm -hmm. And she has kept a running commentary of what it's been like for her. And so because she's been involved in the retreat Well, exactly what Women, Food, and God is about. It's not just the retreat. It's just I definitely built the retreats from Women, Food, and God, or maybe vice versa. I can't even remember at this point. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But because she's realized, okay, well, I have a diagnosis, and it could be any diagnosis. It could be the stomach flu, for goodness sakes. It could be cancer, a scary thing. And so what's that about? It's about the thing, which is the diagnosis. And then it's about the stories you tell yourself about the diagnosis. So for her, she went into all of her scary stories. Now, she was lucky because, well, if you can call having a cancer diagnosis lucky, because it turned out that the cancer was contained, that they were able to get it out, that she doesn't need radiation, she doesn't need chemotherapy, but she is nonetheless aware that the voices keep rolling on. What if this comes back? What if my body never feels (sighs) well again? What if... Uh, This is genetic and I've passed this on to my son. What if I die earlier than I thought I was going to die? What if they were wrong? What if they didn't really get it all out of my body? And so the only way to do that (sighs) is to realize that your thoughts aren't personal, that you are not thinking your thoughts. Your thoughts are thinking you. And your thoughts are based on your conditioning. And your conditioning is based on 
your environment, how you grew up, what people told you, how they treated you, what you learned was possible, what you learned wasn't possible, all of that. So your thoughts, those automatic thoughts are based on your conditioning, Mm -hmm. not personal. You don't have anything to do with those thoughts. Unfortunately, we take too much responsibility for our thoughts. I shouldn't be thinking this. I can't believe I'm still thinking this. These scary stories are. And so most of us spend most of our time remembering the past and anticipating the future. We spend time in not now. So, and we terrify ourselves, terrify ourselves with images, usually about the future. We weave these stories, but if images from the past were pretty horrible, then we embroider images from the past onto images from the future and we walk around in a terrified state. And we don't even realize that we are entrancing ourselves with our stories and that none of them are true. Because when this student of mine was entranced and petrified and we looked at what was she telling herself and it was all based on the possible future none of that was going on she didn't know if any of that was going to go on had no idea and yet she was entranced by those visions and therefore missing her life now so part of it is to understand that there's a situation. Here's what my friend said to me. And then there's the narrative, the story I construct about what my friend said to me. I hate her. I'm not worth it. I can't believe she said that. I'm a terrible person. I knew this all the time. Uh, She's a terrible person. I heard recently that These attacks seem to go along gender lines. So, of course, as soon as I say that, that won't actually turn out to be true. But that people who identify as males usually attack others, where people who identify as females seem to attack themselves. I have been working almost exclusively with women for many, many years. So I can't speak for that other side. I can only tell you what I've seen in myself. And what I see with the people that I work with. Yeah. And one thing that I have taken from reading the book that's changed my life and and brought me so much more well-being is when I notice that I'm in trance and the thoughts are just going, I will come back to your words and say, what is the feeling I'm, I'm just not wanting to feel? And if I just go to the feeling of like, oh, I'm scared oh, I'm sad. I'm feeling whatever the feeling is. Where do I feel it in my body? What is it? You talk about in the book, how we think that those feelings will annihilate us. That since we were children, there might be this fear that if I actually felt that feeling of abandonment or sadness or loneliness, it would destroy me completely. So the mind hijacks the situation which makes things so much worse than feeling the feeling itself because the feeling, as, as I learned from you, there couldn't be something more beautiful I needed to learn, which is that the medicine for the pain 
is feeling the pain. Mm. So can you speak to that? How we think that the feelings will actually destroy us. So therefore we go into the mind. We detach from the feeling. Well, I also think that's based on conditioning. For instance, in my own life, my mother was very unhappy, really depressed, lonely, but also very angry. And so if I felt angry with her, it was just going to end up in a catastrophic situation. Would I have been annihilated? Strong word for that, but it would not have been good. I would have gotten most likely because I didn't try it very often because I learned to push away those feelings, which is what we're talking about now, out of fear of the consequences, which in those years were real. There were real consequences. I couldn't afford to lose my mother's love. I couldn't afford to get hit. I didn't want to get yelled at or shunned or shamed. So I learned to push away the feelings because I believed that if I felt them and expressed them, that would be catastrophic. So we learn those things. Sometimes I'll be watching a television show and, you know, a kid will talk back to their mothers and I'll think, what? I can't believe that kid is saying those things to their mothers. I can't even imagine a life where that was possible. So I learned, particularly with anger, to push it away. And that's how a lot of women that I work with are with their anger. Just learn to push it away. You'll get in trouble. People don't like you. People don't like angry women. People don't like hostile women. Who do you think you are, little missy? Uh, Like that. So that's also with the inner critic in there. We learn to avoid those feelings that have some kind of historical resonance with us. Yeah. Okay, there's a few more things I want to ask you, but first we're going to thank our sponsors. Indeed is the job site that makes hiring as easy as one, two, three. Pose, screen, and interview all on Indeed with tools like Indeed Instant Match. Indeed immediately gives you the quality candidates whose resume fits your job description. They also have Indeed skills tests that reduce hiring time by 27% on average. You can choose from over 130 skill tests or add your own and then add your must-have requirements so you only pay for applications that meet them. Then you can schedule and complete video interviews in your Indeed dashboard. It makes hiring the right talent super fast and easy. And according to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined. If you're hiring, you need Indeed. Get started right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash DreamJob. Get a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash DreamJob. Indeed.com slash DreamJob. Offer valid through June 30th. Terms and conditions apply. Do you love a good mystery? Well, in the hidden object murder mystery game, June's Journey, you're going to awaken your inner sleuth and step right into a thrilling adventure set in the heart of the roaring 20s. You play as June Parker, an amateur detective investigating the mysterious death of her sister. This free-to-download mobile game puts your powers of observation to the test not to mention your memory and logic skills, leaving you refreshed and ready to tackle life's next thrill. Join 30 million fans across the globe and awaken your inner detective by searching for hidden objects and collecting clues to solve the mystery in June's journey. 
It's endless hours of fun with thousands of intricate scenes and new chapters every week. Sometimes I need a little break from working on my business and podcasting, but I still want to challenge my mind. And this has been the perfect solution. It's such a fun challenge and it's a really good exercise for my memory. Plus it's free to download on my phone and tablet so I can play on multiple devices. Does this sound fun? Download June's Journey free today on the Apple App Store or Google Play and get started. Another thing that I thought was so powerful that touches on so many things. So you say being in a relationship with someone and refusing to surrender the love because you don't want to give yourself something you will eventually lose. That's called living in hell, refusing to love because you want the end game to be different than it is wanting life to be different from what it is. That's also called leaving without leaving, dying before you die. It's as if there's a part of you that so rails against being shattered by love that you shatter yourself first. Yes. I'm going to tell you what I told my audience when I first read that. That is the single best thing I've ever read. Um, First of all, it's gorgeous. Second of all, it's so wise. And third of all, I needed to read that. As a child of divorce, as a person who leaves without leaving, who would rather leave before something leaves me. That really, really resonated. And I find that with our listeners, whether they have divorced parents or not, whether they've lost someone to a disease or not, there is such a fear around having your dreams come true because everybody has experienced some form of heartbreak. And one great strategy to, I don't want to hurt again, is I won't reach my arms out for anything anymore because then I won't have to bear the cost of losing. Yes. Yes. So much courage to love, to have, to give, to share because of what you just said. So how do we learn to tolerate that fear and do it anyway? You know, this is something else I've really been pondering Because that's an eternal question in many ways. That is an eternal question, is the question of uncertainty and the question of, and the fact of loss. I remember years ago, one of my first teachers was Stephen Levine, a Buddhist teacher, and he held up a teacup and he said, it's already broken. This is either going to get lost, stolen, or broken. That's the way of it. And I'll never forget that. And I didn't want to hear it. I was in my early 20s. And, you know, I probably thought, well, you must not care very much about your teacups, but I really take care of mine. And this teacup is not going to get lost, stolen, or broken. I think that is such a bummer, really, that the teacup gets lost, stolen, or broken. Bummer. But it's also a fact. And I think that once we realize that, that there is nothing we can do about the fact that We are born into these fragile, 
fabulous human bodies that despite what all the biohackers say and they, that they can now live to 120, that get old or frail or eventually die. I just can hardly stand this. I mean, there are some times where I'll watch my husband, you know, go to the farmer's market, he'll be in his car and I'll think, oh, you know, I'll try to, you know, like send him blessings and, oh, honey, you know, drive (laughs) carefully. It's foggy outside, you know, whatever, you know, come home to me, sweetheart. But I actually know that I am not in control of that. And I hate that. I have to say, if I was in charge, I would not have that be a fact of being alive. I would change the rules. You know, Matt and I would die at exactly the same time. You know, one of us would not die before the other one of us. You know, my animals wouldn't die before me. You know, children would never die before their parents. So I would have different rules here but I'm not in charge. I find this ever challenging. I do. I find it ever challenging. I can't believe that, you know, I got older. I just can't believe it. (laughs) Physical level. It's like, I wasn't planning on this. I didn't choose this. Nobody asked me for my permission here. And yet, oh my God. God. And so that's how it goes. And I will, and that statement that you read was about that. So given that, how then do we live? Do we then keep ourselves closed and shut down, not taking in the, what this fragile human life has to give us, stealing it, from ourselves again and again, because we don't want to lose it. You know, when I met my husband, he had been with a woman, his first wife who had died. And she had gotten diagnosed with ovarian cancer within the first month that they knew each other. And he was with her. He stayed with her for five years until she died. And I remember asking him, over and over and over again. Don't you, and this is where I was coming from, wouldn't you have rather just cut your losses? I mean, I don't mean to laugh, but I mean, wasn't it worse to go through this whole dying process with her than just, I mean, you could have stopped seeing her after that first month or second month when she was diagnosed. And he said, no, it wouldn't. Then I would have lost all those years of loving her and being loved by her. And, oh boy, this is something that just is, hangs in the balance. I wish I had really smart things to say about this, but I don't. One thing I will say is, you know, we lost all of our money. Uh, in 2008. I know, I read about that. And one thing I learned about loss. Oh my God. So I've had a lot of big lessons about loss, big lessons. I learned that before we lost all of our money, 
I had been living in a kind of ambient fear about, well, what if this and what if that? And what if we do lose our money? And what will we do with this? And are we this and are we that? And just there was still a fear level about anticipatory loss. Yep. And then boom, gone. We had a couple thousand dollars left because we were so dumb about the, what we did. But that's another story. What I learned oh in that process, and I want to say I would never, ever, ever trade that process for wow. anything else. I would never go back and not have lost our money. Why? Because I saw what that losing our money allowed me to see what could never be lost. Mm-hmm. And what could never be lost was in those days, and I think still is the ability to see, to breathe, to see what I wasn't seeing. Like when we were talking about walking to the coffee maker and then walking, see what I wasn't seeing because I was so caught up in my mind about, but what if, and do we have enough money? And what if I have to go to Germany and get my blood cleaned? And, you know, like, (laughs) will I have enough money for that? And these esoteric treatments in case I got sick, did we have enough money for that? And then we had nothing. And I am not kidding you that within a couple of weeks, I was happier than I'd ever been. Why? Because I noticed what I had and not what I might lose sometime. Because for the first time, I started looking at what was here, that my hands, my feet, my eyes, You know, the fact that I was still married, that, you know, that there was a sky, that (laughs) there was a, I had a ceiling over my head. I didn't know how long I was going to have that ceiling over my head, but for now I had sardines, I had chocolate and I had a roof over my head. Amazing. And when I let, most of the time, most people don't let themselves have what they have because they're afraid of losing it. Yeah. So they live in perpetual scarcity and perpetual poverty. Yes. So one of the practices that I teach and that I use every day is letting myself have what I already have. Mm. I love it so much. Like those flowers behind you. Oh, they're so pretty. Are so gorgeous. <laughs> Your many colored nails. I know. I mean, just, you know, just make me so happy. Just looking at you, I'm just getting happy. Am I letting myself have that? I can feel the joy of that. So everybody, everybody has so much more than they realize they have. But they've got to name it and look at it and take it in. That is one of the most powerful things I've ever heard yet again. I've already had them from you and now there's more. Um, Yeah, my husband, uh, we just finished sitting Shiva for his mom and his dad passed away in 1987 when he was a little kid and that was an unexpected loss. And so every day since January 17th of 1987, he's been worrying about his mom's death. Yeah, right. 
And so in the Shiva process, I thought he was going to collapse into something I w- that was unrecognizable because I knew how much bandwidth he spent on this anticipatory fear, I, like you said. And every time when our babies were born each time or at our wedding, I saw the way he would almost withhold not celebrating and not feeling joy because it was so much, so scary again, so scary. And if you could only see him in this passing, I've never seen him so light. I've never seen him because this thing he was afraid would happen, happened, and he is surviving. And he is okay. And he still has some, some connection and figuring out now how the relationship might continue in some way and connecting to her through different moments or through spirit in some way. And that's a beautiful thing he's learning to communicate and connect to, but it's been fascinating to be witness to that while I have my own um, ways of, of doing that. It's just so beautiful. It was, I was crying as you were speaking because it is just um, a friend of mine, her mom died of brain cancer when my friend was 21. And her mom said, as hard as this moment is, since you went to kindergarten, it's been a million tiny goodbyes. Like even the process of being with you in the living world broke my heart a million times. Right. And, and so she said, we're okay, right? And this will change, but it'll be okay. And just the idea of like, yes, even when you're here, right? There's all those tiny little losses, the teeny ones. And so one of the things I just want to at least touch on it, your more recent book, The Messy Magnificent Life is so important for my audience because we want to protect ourselves from other kinds of loss, like being rejected, like not being perfect. So instead of writing the first manuscript draft or publishing the first podcast or making our first cherry pie, we'll just say, forget it. Cause I can't handle being messy. And Julia Cameron was here and we talked about it. She always talks about this. Like every person is creative, but they don't let themselves be messy. And you wrote this whole book on and shining a light on that. And I feel like that's such a huge thing for my audience, the permission slip to live with a little bit of a messiness. Can you just talk about what inspired you to want to share that message and how we can embrace that? Well, I don't think that any of us have anything less than messy lives. Right. That's true. (laughs) And because of that, and because, you know, one of the things that I love to do is pull the covers down and talk about the things, write about the things that most people are ashamed to talk about, are ashamed to let other people see. You know, when I switched schools when I was in ninth grade, I was the new kid in school and about with a bunch of people that um, had been going to school since first grade. And they gave everybody horrible nicknames. And they called me pregnant faced cow. Horrible. Really bad. Know, That's really, really bad. Yeah. <laughs> really, really bad. But I was so ashamed 
to let anybody know that. So I carried that mm-hmm. around with me, believing it was true. So naming it, saying it, being just as truthful as we can with the truth of ourselves. And the truth is usually messy. Now, I'll I'll tell you one more story. During the pandemic, at the beginning of the pandemic, one of my really good friends ended our relationship. She'd been a friend for 20 years, (sighs) ended it and just didn't tell me why. Just stopped communicating with me. And it was heartbreaking. heartbreaking. I cried and ached. And then, of course, I hated her and blamed her. And uh, I still don't think it was a kind thing to do the way she did it. But what it did was force me to look at, and this goes back to your question about losses and the, you know, I don't like to say the upside, but what they open in us is what I would say. Sometimes screechingly open because we don't want them to open it. But I did was able to look at the ways that I hadn't been honest with her for a while, that I was uncomfortable with certain things, that I didn't say it, that I had left myself again and again. And it was a chance for me. Look, would I have chosen another way to see that? Probably yes. But to actually acknowledge, wow, this hurt. This was messy. This was painful. I cried a lot. And here's what I see. The unforgettable opening that I had there, just like I did with losing our money. Mm. And you do talk about the things that most people would be ashamed to talk about. And when you do that, you give other people permission to not feel shame. And your friend Anne Lamott does that. Like her brand new book, the very first chapter is about an argument she has with her husband. Everybody wants to make everyone think that they have the most perfect love life. She starts the book that way. Oh, he said something. And what's I want to go back to San Francisco and no, 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 let's put it out there. So you do do that. I think that people listening might think, but is my story really valuable? Everybody else has already shared a broken story. Am I really, is it too much? Should I write this thing? Should I share this thing? It's so humiliating. Like we judge ourselves and then, the next thing is like, it's not even needed. I'm not needed. The mess is not needed. There's already enough of it. There's enough truth. There's that we compare that constantly to other people. So we don't start. Comparative judgment is death, hell, <laughs> horrible. You know, we're all different, all of us. And we're so, all messy and we're all magnificent. And that's why I called it this messy, magnificent life, because we're both. And it's so good. And I want to end by letting people know that you're doing a retreat May 11th through the 16th. Right. Which is amazing. Um, I highly recommend that everybody buy her books, buy your books, go on this retreat. Um, Is it available now? Can people sign up now? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's filling pretty quickly, but people can definitely sign up. Of course. 
Yeah. I can't even believe that you do things like this. Yes. And um, it's on Zoom and it's so beautiful. They're my favorite. Besides the Wednesday night meditations that I do, or in addition to those, which are free and anybody can join those, the retreat, which is six days, is a deep, immersive, gorgeous experience. So yes, come join us. I'd love to see you all. Okay. So aside from the fact that we will put all the links in the show notes, tell us where we can find you, where we can find the retreat and everything else. JanineRoth.com. The retreat's right there on the homepage. So you can find it right there. It's also under events and you can look at a little video we did about the retreat. So you can get a taste of it immediately. Plus Facebook and Instagram, of course. Amazing. Thank you for everything that you offer. Thank you for being so kind and generous and funny and smart and brilliant. And you, you gave me back so much of my life. I, I, I don't even know what that feels like to hear that if you could really receive that because it's really true. I'm so grateful that you went through your process because it has given me and the ripple effects of what it's done for me and my kids and my husband and my listeners. It's so with me every second now. And I, I, I just can't thank you enough. Thank you so much for being you. Oh, what makes me happy is that it touched something in you and touched your love and you get to share that with your family and your listeners and the ripples of everyone you touch. So that, that I find that thrilling. Thank you. It's the best. Janine is so awesome. By the way, all these episodes we have been doing on Zoom. So if you want to watch the video of me talking to Janine or me speaking to Maya Bialik or Matthew McConaughey or Harry Connick Jr., if you want to watch these episodes, you can head to our YouTube channel and you can see the full episodes. It's a fun thing to binge. So we'll put a link to that in the show notes. But if you go to find me, Kathy Heller on YouTube, you can definitely watch these episodes as well. Okay. Here are the takeaways. Number one, it's okay to stop and notice what you're feeling. The body speaks to you. Number two, practice being kind to yourself. Number three, something bigger than the feeling is noticing the feeling. It's a presence and awareness. It doesn't have a history and it's not ashamed. It's like the sky that can hold both the dark and the light. Number four, this is an inside job. It begins by opening your eyes, getting out of bed and walking. Number five, your thoughts aren't personal. Number six, stop worrying about what you might lose. Look at what is here that can't be lost. Let yourself have what you have. And number seven, we're all different. We're all messy and we're all magnificent. All right. I want to give a shout out to today's giveaway winner. We're giving away some really cute swag every Monday and Thursday. So if you want to win an awesome hoodie or a mug, all you have to do is one of two things. Either leave a review for the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Takes a second. It's free. Go ahead and leave us a review. Or you can go live on your Instagram story and just talk about the podcast and tag me at kathy.heller and then you'll be entered. So you can just talk about the show on your Instagram live and just say, this is why I love this podcast. And hopefully by doing that, you'll inspire a few people who need to hear this show. So today's winner is Megan at Podcasting You. And she wrote, necessary podcast. Kathy does such a good job covering a variety of topics. Her episodes are filled with beautiful insight and wit. Her guests offer awesome advice as well. I would recommend this to anyone who wants to be inspired. Thank you so much, Megan. Thank you. That's really, really kind. I so appreciate that you took the time and you posted a review. You guys, reviews help us more than you know. So go ahead and leave a review and talk about the show on your Instagram because we want to keep spreading the word. And thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for being here. I'm well aware that there's 
so much going on in your life. And the fact that you're here is pretty much everything, right? Your time is the most valuable thing that you have. And the fact that you're spending it with me means so much to me. We have so many amazing guests coming up. So make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. And if you want to be entered into the giveaway, leave a review and it doesn't cost a thing to leave a review. And if you want to be entered into the giveaway, definitely leave a review or post about the show on your Instagram and tag me on Instagram at kathy.heller. And Did this episode inspire you? Can you think of one person who would benefit from hearing Janine's wisdom? If the answer is yes, then send them a link. You can text them a link, you can email them the link, or you can go onto your Instagram stories and tag me at kathy.heller and I can repost it. And you can tag Janine, she's at Janine Roth, and then she's gonna know how much of an impact she made, which will probably make her feel so good. So definitely if you post about it, tag both of us. I love you guys so much. I'll leave you with a song of mine. And since we do daily episodes, I'll talk to you tomorrow. The podcast is a production of Authentic. For more info on advertising in this show, visit AuthenticShows.com.